What is up, you guys, and welcome in to the newest episode of Entertainment Purposes Only. As always, before we get started, thank you to our good friends over at Arbitrage Racing. They have been our one and only sponsor the whole time we've been doing this show. Again, they're the best stable in the digital horse racing game. And I'm not going to say much more about it than that because it's uh, late at night and they've gotten more than there's money's worth with uh, all their ads so far. So, love those guys, Go though. Go follow them at Arbitrage Racing on Twitter. Uh, you won't regret it. All right, so one episode this week. We'll get into why in a little bit, so stay tuned for that. But we're going to sort of roll in the Week 7 review with the Week 8 preview this time. Uh, so let's just jump right into it. Uh, great week of football back in Week 7. Uh, feels like so long ago already. But uh, obviously, biggest game of the week when everyone was talking about game day was there, the whole thing. Oregon at Washington. Uh, maybe... Stakes included, hype included, maybe the best game of the season so far. It's probably between that or Red River the week before, but I mean, just an absolute banger of a game. I think that was two great teams. I don't think Oregon should be punished much for losing that one. Whoever had home field was going to win that game, but just two awesome teams, two good quarterbacks. Uh, Michael Penix, Washington's quarterback. Now, odds on favorite for the Heisman. That means not only is he the favorite, it means he's minus money to win the Heisman now. Uh, that's how good his season has been. Uh, you know, people getting on Dan Lanning for his fourth down decision making. I, you know, I get it because it didn't work out. I'm willing to bet most of you guys weren't saying that during the game before those plays were made. At the end of the day, it comes down to your playing Washington's offense the only thing that should come into play in making that decision is fourth and three. If you get it, the game's over, right? You can basically knee it out at that point. Do you think it's more likely? Which one is more likely your offense picking up three yards on a fourth down or your defense stopping that Washington offense? If you punt it, if I'm landing, I look at fifth year, senior Bo Nix, I say, go out there and get me three yards. Let's win this thing. That's what he did. Didn't work out. Washington got it back on a short field. Uh, went down the field, I believe, just two plays to uh, take the lead there. Oregon came back, obviously missed the field goal at the buzzer for the loss. But, you know, just a great game. I think overall the vast, vast, vast majority of bad decisions on fourth downs is going to be the other way around. It's when people – We'll call it now, I don't know, pulling a Jimbo. When they punt, when they should go for it. The fact that there's a coach being quote-unquote too aggressive, I welcome it. More often than not, it's going to work out for you if you're more aggressive than not. So, people getting on Dan Landing this week, I don't agree with it. I think he made some good calls there. But, again, it's a results-based business, and uh, they didn't end up winning that game. So, we'll see where they go from here. Oregon's still in decent shape, one loss. Pac-12 is a gauntlet this year. So, Washington in very good shape, still undefeated. But, you know, it's going to be tough for a team to come out of that one undefeated. We'll see. Next game, Texas A&M at Tennessee. I got my notes here, my little notes app. I have three words for my recap of this Texas A&M-Tennessee game. 
Those three words are simply, Jimbo got to go. Texas A&M fans, if you're out there, sound off in the comments with your answer to this. When's the last time you went into a big game really confident you were going to win it? That's my issue. I'm willing to bet it was when Manziel was quarterback, if we're being honest. Because since then, woof. But like, I, you cannot be confident going into a big game with Jimbo Fisher as your head coach. You just can't. I mean, that game was there for you. Your defense gives up 13 points on the road in that environment versus that offense, that offensive coach and you lose the game because your offense is incompetent. Jimbo's supposed to be an offensive guy. Man's got to go. Get all your big Texas oil donors, raise the money for the buyout, send them packing. Go get someone who could actually do something with that roster. Jimbo infuriates me. Got to go. USC Notre Dame. USC had been trying to tell us what they were for a month. Some of us believed it. Some of us didn't. It Caleb's Heisman chances are over, by the way. Three interceptions on his biggest stage of the season so far. <laughs> Big one for Marcus Freeman. We talked about that a little bit last episode, how you know, he's always in these big games. Team plays pretty well, but more often he ends up coming out on the short end of the stick. He didn't even leave it up to chance this time. His team just came out and whooped USC. Uh, glad to see him do it. Again, I'm sort of mad at myself for not seeing that one coming and giving it out as a play. Uh, like I said, USC had been trying to tell us for a month what kind of a team they are. If their schedules had been flipped going into that game, if USC had just had to play Ohio State, Duke, and Louisville in the previous three weeks, while Notre Dame got Arizona State, Colorado, and Arizona, USC would have had at least one loss at that point. Notre Dame would have been undefeated, and at home, Notre Dame would have been a double-digit favorite just because of the schedules being flipped. I try to see those coming, usually. That one slipped past me. That's my fault. Should have given it out, but... uh yeah, we'll see. We'll see where USC goes from here. I don't know. And they're just getting into the thick of their schedule. So it's been Cupcake City up till last week for them. They might be in for a world of pain rest of the way in. We'll have to wait and see. And if they are, don't be surprised if Caleb just packs it up and says, I'll get ready for the combine and you're on your own for the last few games here. Miami at North Carolina. I mean, it became clear in that game, clear in the last week how they lost that game to Georgia Tech, but Miami's still Miami. They're still going to shoot themselves in the foot. They're still going to get in their own way in these big games. It's just, it's been that way for a better part of two decades now. At this point, show it to me and prove it, or else I'm going to keep assuming that this is just who you are. It's in your DNA. I mean, their first offensive possession of the game, they're going in for a touchdown, huge statement, running back, just fumbles the ball as he gets to the goal line. It, 
got right before halftime, their defensive coordinator losing his composure, running out onto the field to yell at people. He gets a penalty to extend a North Carolina drive. It's just... <sighs> Cristobal just, like I said last week, he just doesn't have it. He can build up a roster, but during games, he's just he's right there with Jimbo. He might be the worst to ever do it. And that's not going to change. He's been a head coach long enough. You've seen who he is at this point. But I went over all that last week. Now, to North Carolina. They're undefeated. Tez Walker is a beast. Thank you, NCAA, for finally letting him play. Three touchdowns in his first real game back. He got sort of cleared on the Thursday before the last week, so he didn't have a full week of practice. But first full week back, wow. They're a different team with him, and they're already a really good passing offense. He is a difference maker. Is North Carolina a playoff contender? They might be. They might be. We'll have to wait and see, but uh, so far so good for the Heels. UCLA at Oregon State. I called this one wrong. Oregon State whooped them. 36-24 was the final. Dante Moore is awful this season. I'm hoping that's just him being a freshman. Because like I told y'all earlier on in the season, this dude was built in a lab to be a Chip Kelly quarterback. But every single week, I think the last three weeks, he's had at least one pick six. That's tough. So we'll see. I mean, this might not be UCLA's year, but if he stays three or four years, they could do something special there if he gets better. But He's got to get a lot better. I'll say that. Going through the picks from last week. Remember the week before we went 14-5-1, not to brag. But that's not going to happen every week. Not every week can be 14-5-1. Sometimes you just got to dig a ditch. Got to do the dirty work. Take the small winners when they're there. And go 10 and 8 in a week. And that's what we did this week. Go 10 and 8 every week, you're very happy with the season. So, nothing to sneeze at. A winning record is a winning record. App State minus 6 on the Tuesday. We already talked about that one last week. That one lost. Houston, West Virginia got two winners in that one. Had the over 50 easy. I think there were 80 points scored in that game. Houston plus 3. Now, the haters... The haters will tell you that was a lucky win. Well, you were down four, and then you only won the bet because you completed a Hail Mary on the last play. How is that not a lucky win? Well, anyone who says that is telling on themselves for not watching the game. Anyone who says Houston plus three was a lucky win didn't watch the game. The bad beat was not West Virginia backers. The bad beat would have been the Houston backers had they not hit that Hail Mary. They were up double digits the entire second half. They got West Virginia fourth and 12 at the 50 with 20 seconds left. And what do you know? West Virginia hits a 50-yard touchdown pass. Let me tell you, the vibes were low. I'd given out Houston plus three. Thought it was a bad beat. Dana Holgerson coaches the Houston team. Used to coach West Virginia, so he wanted that one even more. But he knew he was fired at that point. Then they call a 15-yard taunting penalty on the West Virginia quarterback. Suddenly there's some life. 
get the ball a little behind midfield, throw about a seven-yard out route to get in the Hail Mary range, and what do you know? Tip ball, touchdown, Cougars win. Dana Holgerson lives to fight another week, and we get the winner on plus three. Colorado minus 11. Can't really call something a bad beat if you took it minus 11 and they lose outright. But that game started at 10 p.m. on Friday night. And let me tell you, I went to bed at halftime with a 29-0 lead. And I'd be lying if I said I hadn't chalked that one up as a winner in my mind. So you can imagine my surprise when I wake up about 5.45 in the morning on Saturday. And in my sleepy state, I take my phone, open up the score app. Let's just make sure Colorado didn't blow this. And uh, not only did they blow the 11-point cover, they lost the game outright. That was a, I, am I still dreaming? I was thinking, how did they lose the game? It was 29 nothing. It wasn't even a game. Shador was posting merch on his Instagram at halftime. Surely they didn't lose that game. They lost that game. My first little bit of coaching malpractice from Coach Prime. I believe Travis Hunter played 157 snaps in that game. In his first game back. In the altitude. And Stanford recognized that and they cooked him on defense. I still love Prime, but just saying. that's Got to call it like I see it. All right. On to Saturday. Florida State minus 17 and a half. They beat Syracuse. I think it was 41 to 3. Easy winner. Michigan minus 34. They beat Indiana, whatever the heck it was. Easy winner. Georgia minus 31 and a half versus Vanderbilt. Never had a chance. Vanderbilt scores on the fourth play of the game. You knew that cover was dead. Utah minus 13 and a half. Still no cam rising. Still got the cover. Won the game by 20. <coughs> there are some times when you make a play and you know in the first minute of the game it's dead. So I was watching the Georgia game over at my parents' house with the family and afterwards I got in the car and was coming back home and had the radio on sort of the whip around coverage. They just bounce around to some different games and you can hear what's going on. And I hear right after kickoff, the uh, TCU radio broadcast celebrating a pick six against BYU. And at that moment, crowd was going crazy in Fort Worth. I knew that what we were making the play against, which was TCU had quit on the season. That hadn't happened. And uh, TCU won by, I believe, 30 points. So, loser. Oh, well. A&M plus three and a half at Tennessee. We talked about it. No reason that shouldn't have hit, except for Jimbo's just a big, dumb idiot. A&M Tennessee under 55. Maybe the easiest winner we'll have all year. 20 to 13 final and seven of the 20 were from a punt return. Ridiculous. South Carolina minus two. They're up 10 points with a few minutes left. All they have to do is not let Florida go score, stop, score on them to end the game. 
That is exactly what Florida does. They go score, stop, score on them to end the game. Gators win it by two. Loser. Wake Forest, Virginia Tech, under 47 because yuck. Well, we were right. Almost had a bad beat on us. There's one group chat I'm in, something called the Gains Pool. It's a pool I'm in where people pick games. And uh, there were early rumblings in that group text during that game that uh, we may have another Wake Forest, Virginia Tech 0-0 at the end of regulation situation on our hands. That's, of course, a classic picture of Frank Beamer celebrating, acting like he just won a national championship, except you see the scoreboard. It says Wake Forest 0, Virginia Tech 0, end of regulation. Classic picture. Classic. So good. Well, there are rumblings that that might be happening again with how that game started. So we got four quarters of 0-0 on the table. There turned out to be 42 points scored in the game. That was almost a bad beat, but they still kept it under the 47 for a win for us. Iowa plus 10. (laughs) The Iowa rhetoric makes me so happy right now. Everybody hates them so much, and I get it. I get it. I get it. But if you can't find the humor in it, that's your fault. They are ranked 133rd in total offense out of 133 FBS teams. They are 6-1 because they cashed our play for us last week and won outright at Wisconsin. They're 6-1. They're going to be favored in every game from here on out to go 11-1. I mean... Shout out to the defense. That's all I can say. Ohio minus seven. We've been riding Ohio. That's over. They're not the same team they used to be. Eh, Now we know. North Carolina, Miami over 56. When Miami had the aforementioned fumble into the end zone on the first position, I had written that one off. Said you don't get overs with fumbles into the end zone. But still sailed over the total. Even with that, there were 72 points scored in the game for the easy cover. UCLA, Oregon State, under 54. That one was a loss. As I mentioned, it was a 36-24 final, which is 60 points, more than 54. So the under 54 lost. And Duke, minus three, closed out the night as a winner. So, 10-8. Brings our season total to 62, 60, and 5. Not quite in the black yet. You got to win 52.5% of these things to turn a profit, but we're getting there. We're getting there. Two weeks ago, we were like 10 games over 500. Now look at us. Under 500, I mean. Now look at us. All right. So I mentioned at the start of the show, this is going to be the only show this week, and I would tell you why. Well, the why is because. Thursday evening, me and the fellas, one of my friend groups, we're heading to Atlanta to get on a plane that's going to a little place called Las Vegas, Nevada. Ever heard of it? So, I won't be doing a a full week eight preview show, but we're going to get into the big games here. Saturday... We have reservations to be parked in the Caesars Palace Sportsbook in Las Vegas. Guys, 
This is the biggest game of my life coming up. Being in a Las Vegas sports book in the middle of the strip for an October college football Saturday. I'm getting emotional right now just thinking about it. This is what I've been training for for almost a decade now. Every play I've ever made all comes to a head this Saturday. Trying to tell myself, just relax, relax. Stay calm. Play within yourself. Don't try to do too much. Keep a calm head. Just make the same plays you would make if you were sitting at home. And the results will be there. So we're going to try. And the games we'll be seeing in the sports book. Here are some of them. Right at noon, noon for you know you people here on the East Coast, us folks out West is a 9 a.m. kick right off the bat. Penn State at Ohio State. Something's got to give. Penn State's defense is awesome. Ohio State's offense is awesome. Penn State's defense puts up these silly numbers, but honestly, who is the best offense they've faced so far? West Virginia? (sighs) Ohio State's favored by four and a half. I believe, based on what we've seen from these teams so far this season, I talked earlier about if you flipped schedules, what a line would have been. If you flip these team names, you take the Penn State team and stick Ohio State on them. You take the Ohio State team and stick Penn State on them. I think Penn State's favored. But as we have it here, Ohio State's favored by four and a half. Going to the horseshoe's tough. I get it. But again, it's a noon Eastern kick. That's a big help over a night game there. See the Michigan game last year. I don't know who's going to win, but give me the four and a half with the Nittany Lions. That's the pick. We'll see. Tennessee at Alabama, 330. I mean, Bama's favored by eight and a half, but they're putting that over under at 48 and a half. You got two quarterbacks who struggle to throw the football for whatever that's worth. Give me that under. Under 48 and a half is the play. A lot of coaches would be tempted if they were coaching Bama to try to run the score up, get some style points on Tennessee after what happened in that game last year. Saban's going to be content knowing he already has a loss this year. Just don't play into that stuff. Just get the win, get out of there. Not even an ugly win, but just a workmanlike, no style points, no flash sort of win. That's why, you know, I think Bama probably covers, but that's not the play. The play is under 48 and a half. Duke at Florida State, 730. Line movement is sort of hinting toward Riley Leonard playing, but even if he does, he's not going to be 100% for Duke. Duke 0-21 all-time versus Florida State, by the way. I think FSU, they're going to try to get Jordan Travis back in the Heisman hunt. They're going to be showing off with those receivers. 
Keon Coleman is such a beast, by the way. Give me the Knowles. Minus 13 and a half. I also might like the Florida State team total over. We'll have to wait and see, though. Utah at USC. You hear often in sports when there's a matchup of strength versus strength with an offense and a defense, they'll say it's an unstoppable force running into an immovable object. Well, this Utah offense versus USC defense is a stoppable force running into a movable object. I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, is USC and Caleb going to fight back, try to salvage the season, or are they just going to say we're not that good, throw in the towel? I don't know. You don't know. Nobody knows. They might not even know. So, I don't know. I don't have a pick. USC's favored by seven. If you're putting any money on this game, you're a psychopath. No one knows what's going to happen in this game. Clemson, minus three at Miami. We're over halfway through year two for Mario Cristobal in Miami. The man still hasn't won an ACC home game yet. Tyler Van Dyke's banged up. Cristobal's exact quote was, I'm not going to comment on injuries, but he's fine. This guy, everything he says, never mind. I'm not going to comment on injuries, but he's fine. Okay. Miami's coming off two wars in their last two games. Clemson's coming off their bye. They're getting healthier. They're going to have a lot of guys back. I'd lean toward laying the three with Clemson, but I'm not in love with it. So that's a lean, but not a play as of now. All right, there's the big games. Again, so be in Vegas. I'll be taking some videos with the phone, posting those. Follow at EPOCFB. Once I make the plays in the sports book, I'll be posting everything there at Twitter at EPOCFB if you want the full card of plays. Again, I'm not giving them out right now because I don't know when I'm going to get them at. Gonna have to wait until we get there and you know see how they're listed. But yeah, I'll be posting updates and videos on there. Might upload to YouTube some shorts if I take some videos, some YouTube shorts, if I can even figure out how to do that just from my phone. I'm in Las Vegas with the boys. I want to have fun, a good time, be present there. So I'm not going to be just buried in my phone the whole time. But if I can figure it out, I'll do that. Again, make sure follow at EPOCFB. Also, make sure like the thumbs up on this video and subscribe if you haven't. Thanks, guys. See you next time.